Welcome to The Rodcast with Rod Turner, the show all about real estate. We discuss everything that affects asset-backed businesses, investments, and go deep into the details with some of the best in the business. This week, I got the old auction gang back together, and I'm joined by Piotr Ruzanek, Jay Howard and Ranjan Bhattacharya to discuss some of the lots coming up in the October and November auctions. All these lots we discuss are available to buy and you can follow along in the show notes where we'll leave all the links to every property we talk about in the order we talk about them in. So we'll get started with one of Ranjan's picks which was lot 47 in the Allsorts commercial auction which is then followed by my pick of lot 80 in the Savills auction. As always, if you do get value from the broadcast, please don't forget to leave us an iTunes review. We'd very much appreciate it. Enjoy. Cheeky little number, this one. It's uh, in London. It's well located. It's close to the station, Norwood Junction Station, only 300 metres away. Plenty of good stores in, um, in proximity. What's up for grabs here is basically the entire freehold. And uh, this could be an interesting opportunity for a breakup. Um, the, the flats above the shops uh, are all a decent size actually. And the, and the legal pack doesn't really disclose this yet. Interestingly enough, uh, there are no floor plans in the legal pack. There are uh, no EPCs in the legal pack either. You've just got the site plan. Um, but if you go to the EPC register, you can look at the EPCs for the individual flats um, above the shops, and they're all about 48 square meters, but they're described as one bedroom. So there may be an opportunity to reconfigure them a little bit and uh, sell them on. Uh, you'd be hard pushed to get less, less than 200 grand for a flat in that area. So there is a little bit of a breakup thing here. The other thing I'll emphasize about the commercial space, there's so much doom and gloom about commercial property um, and particularly the letability of it uh, these days. And there's a report out today that 9,000 shops have closed uh, this quarter um, throughout the UK. And that's what you see in the headlines. But also in that same report commissioned by PwC, they also said that 4,000 shops had opened during this last quarter. So, uh, and this is one of them. And it's a certain type of shop that's closing. It's usually the stuff that's selling products that you could get off in the internet now. And it's a certain type of shop that's opening. And the shops that are opening are opening in areas which have an immediate uh, catchment area of affluent footfall, which this area of South London does, relatively speaking. And also it's been actually let to a cafe. They're doing a full fit out at the moment um, and, and planning to open as a cafe. It's those sort of businesses that need uh, affluent footfall in close proximity where you can't deliver the services over the internet, that seems to be opening up. So it's an interesting prospect, quite a lot of space there. There's also a little bit of development potential. It'd be very easy to put something on the roof. Uh, I love these sort of Victorian buildings where you've got this parapet wall around the outside because if you were to put an additional floor, you'd never see it from the street scene. So there's very little planners can say about it. Um, so lots of um, interesting tidbits on this one and not a bad guide um, for the yield as it is. Ranjan loves a corner plot, don't you? 
You love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where you, you get maximum exposure for that part A of the retail, as much window space as you can. But yeah, I, I think it's a really good bike. Agree with everything you've said, like the development on top. Also, it, in terms of it's, it's a pretty solid lease as well. No brakes, I think. Um, decent enough yield. And, and as you said, I mean, 200 gram per flat, I think is very conservative uh, for that area. So yeah, I, I, yes. I like it. I mean, I discounted a bit because you guys, it's obviously you guys a think this is conservative because I keep seeing flats in South Norwood coming to an auction and they struggle to sell for that 170, 150 mark. And it's, it's a bit, I think I'm not it's, sure. I think it's dependent on the type of flat. Like, like you said, it's, it's a good looking building. This it's, it's not kind of in a parade ex local, things like that. I'm also, just one point on this, is the picture a CGI or is it an actual picture? It looks like the way people are moving, it does look like someone's just created a CGI, like the, the block of flats to the rear doesn't look real. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I yeah. was thinking. I was just wondering if... It's if an enhanced ex-council block. Oh, right. I, I thought you were <laughs> going to talk about the weather because obviously it couldn't be sunshine. Well, well also because I think they said it's under um, the actual ground floor unit is, um, is being refitted. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if that is a picture. I think that's more of a CGI show. I, th I think that is a picture. Um, um, you can see the sign is the sign of the cafe that's opened ah, up. Okay. Um, in the legal pack, there's a nice uh, license to do all the alteration. It's just boarded up. Yeah. Um, in the legal pack, there's a license to do the alterations, which has been agreed by the landlord. And it shows a good fit out. That's yeah. the other thing I look at. So yes. I would say that picture is definitely enhanced. Yeah. It's um, not, not real, but it's enhanced. So what you're saying um, is that, that, on. that Listen, that I don't know. They may have enhanced it. But one of the things I look at uh, when, when you're look, assessing an incoming commercial tenant is what skin in the game are they putting in? Um, and they seem to be spending a decent amount of money on this fit out in terms of the kitchen equipment and all the rest of it which is money that they're putting in. So they are committed to making this business work, which is an indicator that I look at of a potential commercial tenant. One of the things that I don't like about those buildings and they've got those butterfly roofs. I really don't like those butterfly roofs. Butterfly roofs, as I call yeah, them. Yeah, they, they go like in to that. Inverted V, why? Why don't you like them? Because they just cause all sorts of trouble and uh, and then I don't know how how would you change how would you like increase the space that it's it's just like a, they're, they're, actually they're big opportunities. Uh, I love butterfly roofs. It's it's the typical Mary Poppins um, scene, the chim chimney. If you remember that movie, <coughs> where you can dance or you can not only can you do a song and dance number on the roof, but they're very good for adding an extra floor because if you because of the uh, the the outside has got this power pit um, wall. Um, if you were to recess any extension, uh, loft extension, by a meter in from the uh, street, you literally would not see that uh, at all from the street. Okay. That's why they're very, very powerful. Okay, good to know. I wouldn't have thought so, but good to learn new things. Okay, brilliant. So well, what would you pay for this, Ranjan? Um, well, I, I think I would be uh, looking at not much over guide, quite frankly, for it to be a good solid deal. You'd want it to yield as it is in excess of 7%, in my view. 
And yeah. then you've got the um, other stuff as icing on the cake type of opportunities. Got it. And anyone would pay more? Possibly. I think you've got to be sure that you're going to get something on that roof as in another unit and not just increasing the size of the unit below. Absolutely. Um, and if you can, then I'd be looking at, if you're getting a 6% yield and it's cash flowing from day one with the opportunity to uplift there another 200 grand possibly, I, I think that looks good. But again, it's it's doing your homework and making sure yeah. that sizes add up and things like that. So yeah. I, I can see someone paying more for that. It's okay. unlikely you'd get planning permission for a separate flat on the roof. I um, think it wouldn't come if you recess because the top floor, uh, the top floor flat which I've checked out is forty-eight square meters. So you yeah. wouldn't make a London plan flat on the top if you have to recess the sides by a meter. So it'll have to be an extension to the existing flat, um, which may or may not be worthwhile depending on the numbers. But yeah. I think money can be made simply by reconfiguring the existing floor space because I think 48 square meters for a one bedroom flat is quite generous. Yeah, okay. That wasn't, yeah, it's a generous for one bedroom, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's indicative of the kind of properties I develop. From <laughs> 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 Well, these are no improvement range, and these ones have windows. <laughs> I've, I've, always, I've always given the windows, you know, and, and Windows 10. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Okay, well, let, let's move to the next slot. Uh, so this one is uh, in Watford, so that's uh, a road slot. Rod, do you want to introduce this one? Uh, yeah, sure. So this one is a block of, um, I think it's, is it nine flats or six flats? Nine. Uh, no, ten flats. Oh, no. Oh, it's a 14 flats. That's it, 14 flats. With planning for nine. And it's got planning for nine. All the, um, the flats, the existing ones, are sold off on long leases, but six of them have 54 years left. And then four of them have 85 years left. Um, so you're getting ground rent for that, but it's also got the planning permission for nine new build flats as well. So there's, there's a few different angles here. Obviously, there's the development potential um, of making money off, that, off those nine new builds. But there's also as well on the, um, uh, the rent from the ground rent, but increasing these, uh, these leases because... A lot of them are coming up for renewals. Well, you would have thought are kind of almost past that point. Yeah. Um, and th those are starting to get quite valuable. 54 years left on a lease on a flat is, is, a, is a significant amount. Um, that would be about 30K to minimum to extend. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's looking at what the ground rents are and things like that. Yeah. Um, and again, on the 85 years, I mean, getting a mortgage on anything sort of under 80 years is pretty difficult. So you're not long in the tooth there, and I'd be expecting people to be renewing those leases as well. I'd want to have a look at who actually owns those flats. Um, again, those existing ones, is it the council maybe, and trying to have an idea of why it is that, um, I'd imagine it's the same owner that owns the ones that haven't been renewed for 54 uh, years and I'd imagine it's the same owner for the other four as well yeah um, and also there's four others which I'd imagine I've got separate owners that have been renewed because they haven't really been mentioned there 
So it'd be interesting to have a quick look on um, on Lamreg just to work out who they are, and maybe even contacting them to find out what it is that they're looking to do with with those with those flats. Um, they're also the the nine flats that have got planning are one beds with a study. Now, what that really means is it's it's well essentially it will fit two beds, but for planning reasons they can't put that in as a second bedroom because of the size of the flat. So again, opportunity in that as well, depending on how you're dressing them up to sell or to rent. Um, there's certainly opportunity there. So I think there's just I think there's a few different angles here, and I just quite like the look of this one. It was something slightly different to talk about, I suppose, with uh, with renewal of ground rent and also a development angle too. Yeah. And so, also, sorry, the other the other option, of course, would be. Um, to take out the existing flats and reconfigure them. So to almost buy them back off the leaseholders and look at doing extra extra units there. So I think there's a few different angles. Brilliant, I think uh, there's a few things that jump out to me like straight away when I looked at this property. Uh, number one, it's kind of squeezed into between M1 and A41. Uh, and it's kind of not the most, um, <laughs> desirable location I mean it's got good transport links but a bit, <laughs> a bit too good <laughs> great for commuters <laughs> definitely great for commuters, commuters. And, uh, and another thing is, uh, concerns me is that the planning that is there is actually for another floor basically above yeah. uh, above the whole block uh, so let me just do the gallery so basically we have to do the whole roof and uh, on our auction buyers, auction buyers Club call a couple of weeks ago, we had a whole review about you know, what legal issues come up when you want to do something like that above uh, a block of flat that already has got leases in place. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the major things that come up with this is all those leases will have... Um, like there's few few different things that come up, but one of the major ones that it's very difficult uh, to overcome is that all the leases in place, even if they have 40 years to expire and stuff, they have the right to um, the covenant for quiet enjoyment. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're doing the roof, if you're taking off the roof in order to develop it, that's going to have a massive impact on the quiet enjoyment. And uh, if you have a block that's, broken up into pieces and there's lots of different issues that could cause issues i think i think what it means is it's going to increase the cost of the build because you'd have to take that into consideration if it was obviously an empty block you'd be whipping off the roof and and doing what you do but actually what you need to do is soundproof that first before then going on to doing the build so it's going to it's going to be quite an increase on the build cost to do that Mm -hmm. I, I, th- I think actually a mix of what you had said in the first in the first instance, <clears throat> in order to really kind of realise and add the value to this, you're probably going to have to try and negotiate back the the leaseholds, and then do a full redevelopment. I, th- I think if you know, I think I think that offers the most uplift for the whole scheme. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. it's whether or not it depends, and that's why finding out who the leaseholders are is quite yeah. key. And I don't think you've got fourteen separate leaseholders here. I think I, by the looks of how the lease is structured, you've probably got at least, two, uh, at least two owning 10 of them. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. That is good. How have you demised that? <laughs> because they've all got the same leases. Oh, I see. When they were renewed in length. Okay, okay. But again, okay. It's, it's a guess. I haven't looked at them on, on Lamred or anything. Normally, when you're dealing with existing buildings and you want to put a roof on, I mean, I'm involved in one of them at the moment. It's a share of freehold. I'm Lisa, uh, one of the share of freeholders, and we're doing a JV with the developers, putting extra floor on top. But the, the issue is all about um, uh, basically bribery. You know, you can normally buy them off by offering them something that they want. And they, what they usually will want is a extension up to a normal um, lease length and also um, some lowering of service charge. I mean, a big um, incentive is that, well, you've got all these extra people in to contribute to the service charge element. And another thing is to carry out improvements to the communal parts of the building. A package of those sort of measures usually makes people more amenable. Um, well, that is interesting. Is running up for repairs. If the building is due for repairs, I mean, we've done this with smaller buildings where there've been four flats, and we wanted to put a loft. Uh, we wanted to go into the loft, and we always say to say to them, "Look, we'll we're doing the roof anyway, so you don't have to touch the roof. We'll renew all the gutter pipes, and we'll renew the entrance door, and all of this sort of stuff." So we put in a bunch of works, um, which essentially they don't have to pay for, and. Um, we're covering as bribery for letting us uh, do what we're doing. So that usually works. And also the cost of doing that once you've got people on site, it's going to be a hell of a lot exactly. lower than what it would yeah. exactly. be for their service charge. So it's, it's, it's a win-win really for both sides. Yeah. So I, th I think with this lot, it's, it's, really, it's not just a calculation of the GDV and, uh, and the normal £120 per square foot cost and stuff. There's a lot of uh, details that go into the, the assessment of this, this project. And, and I think uh, it, this is going to be purchased probably by someone who is uh, kind of a long-term kind of uh, landlord or long-term... I, I would imagine it's one of those uh, people who owns maybe the four or the six leaseholds already would certainly be looking at it or would be looking to JV with someone doing it because they stand to benefit in probably more than anyone else, really, don't yeah. they? And that's, what, that's what's so good about auctions, because you've got those natural buyers for this property. Well, when you put it on the market, then there's like a variety of different people that are going to look at it. And uh, you, you almost like encourage those leaseholders to like, okay, now is the time. You're either doing it now or you're probably never ever going to do it and you have to pay. 200k for these extensions in the future so uh, it's a good uh, incentive uh, program for their for their existing leaseholders i think if the right freeholder buys this i think i think the development will become viable i think if but if you're not a practiced freeholder and you don't know how to incentivize um in the right kind of way then i think you're gonna you're gonna hit a wall I think uh, a party wall act of, of a whole hell of issues if you don't if you don't work it properly. Absolutely. I think the benefit you have is that there are short leases already, so there is something that you can offer on the table which is very valuable to these uh, to these leaseholders as well. So that's yeah. where the development can come into its own. And also, it's seven on the top, and it's also two of the new ones will be a. Um, uh, new building from the on the rear or side, I think it is. Yeah. Okay. So what's what's your guess? Guide price six hundred. Goodness. 
I mean, I think. Are you asking what do I think it will sell for, or what would I pay for it? Because <laughs> you have the two prices. <laughs> again, I don't think I'd be. I probably wouldn't go for this because for me, it's too many moving parts that are out of my control. Yeah. But I do think for the right person, like we've talked about, they they could be looking to go a little bit over guide price, but I, w I wouldn't be expecting it to be going over 700 grand. Mm. Yeah, yeah, likewise. Well, let's see, it's quite an affluent area and uh, a chunky block like that might be of interest to a lot of people. And there's a solid buying community in that Hendon and surrounding area. But I, to be honest, I think it misses the mark for the, um, for the long play freehold ground rent investor because of the price. And I think because of the, the, the existing leaseholders, I think that will put off quite a few of the developer types. Um, Again, I haven't actually checked the legal pack, but if I was the, um, the seller, I'd be looking to uh, get this signed off with all the leaseholders and then put it into auction. Because I, yeah. think, I think that's, you're, you're losing a lot of potential buyers. Absolutely. In so I, yeah. I think that could be, could be useful. I, I don't know. They may have already done it, but I haven't actually had a look. I think this okay. is a um, uh, this is going to be picked up by someone who's connected with the site. Um, I think the extra floors on buildings are all very well, but they're far easier to do on a flat roof. Um, the, the this sort of nineteen thirties or nineteen forties pitched roof is is a lot more difficult. A lot so more it is. I'm finding it very intriguing because I like those kind of roofs instead of the butterflies. You like the butterfly, but you don't like this one. What's going on, Anton? <laughs> no, it's all the you buy that one, you've got the place, and you and you can have it you can have it vacant and then do the works. The the, the problem I yeah. fear with this sort of thing is that um, as Rod rightly says, it's important, very important to find out who's living there and who the leaseholders are, um, because it, a lot of the time you get with these leases which are short, you tend to get older folk in them, and you know a seventy five year old lady does not really want all this stuff going on no matter what what inducement is on offer um, so it's very very important to find out who's in these blocks yeah okay brilliant let's move to the next one it's a it's a change of uh, scenery a little bit of a commercial property Jay this is your one uh, do you want to just introduce uh -huh. it for the podcast people Absolutely. So this is one and one a Brook Parade in High Road Chigwell. Um, that's Essex IG7. It's a freehold retail investment with potential, and that includes a um, a shop on the ground floor, which is let um, and guaranteed by Domino's Pizza until 2038 with no breaks. And the upper floors are sold off um, with leases of 77 years um, unexpired. Um, there are no arrears. Um, there is a large rear yard, which is spoiling for development. Um, and there is obviously um, a bit of a flat roof with a slight parapet, uh, which could do with an additional floor if you could get back the leases or do anything phantasmical. So what's everyone's views on this one? I looked at this lot and um, what intrigues me a lot is how come Domino's Pizza has been so generous with this lease because they took on this property in 2018, two years ago, and exactly two years ago, almost uh, two years and one month, 
they're paying £33,000 per annum for, and they've got another 18 years left on the lease. And they haven't even started operations after two years and the shop is still empty. I mean, talk about a net yield. <laughs> um, uh, um, yes, I mean, Domino Pizzas are one of the good guys that are, that are out there uh, in terms of the commercial property tenant um, market. I, that did concern me, actually. Why haven't they started their fit out? Because they tend to have to put in a lot of money into fitting out one of those Domino Pizzas places. But Domino Pizzas are quite different from many of the other um, companies. Uh, some of the other commercial tenants, they operate prop co op co structures. So that they they basically have a trading business. Um, I don't want to name any because I don't want to sort of you know get hassle from anyone. But they have a Do trading they serve coffee. And they have a property business which rents all the properties from the landlord. Have sandwiches. And they can close the property business at any time. With DP Reality, your lease is directly with the trading entity. So you're, you're, you've leased directly to the entity that operates Domino Pizzas. Um, and, they have, and they tended to sign up for 20-year leases with no break clause because um, for their business model, that adds value to that lease. Uh, I haven't got really time to sort of go into why, but it just does. Um, so the, the issue here is why haven't they fitted this out? They're stuck with that lease uh, until 2038, and the only way out is to close down Domino Pizzas. But um, why haven't they fitted this out? Because it seems a nice site and a good area. That would be it's a good corner it. plot. You love a good corner plot. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> with a parapet too. <laughs> I think, I think one, one benefit here is obviously it's been going two years and there being no arrears um, is quite, it's yes. quite a useful point to, be, to make because especially with some of these bigger companies, as Ranjan's kind of been alluding to, is some of them have not been uh, very good, even though their balance sheets uh, can afford it, at paying their rent through, um, through COVID. And uh, as, as Ranjan was kind of talking, it's, this is about who who is securitizing that income and it's quite a it's quite a solid covenant there um trying to look at what the risk could be in in that lease um i can't i can't spot many and it looks like they're just trying to get whoever the owner is trying is knows something that we don't <laughs> and he's trying to get get shot of it but it's what is it that they know uh, that we don't understand and is it something that they're going to decide to renegotiate on their lease or can somehow wiggle out of that again without reading the lease kind of in detail you, you don't know but that does concern me um, with it being empty and and why it's going into auction because for me that looks like it's a it's a solid a solid property would you let them would you let them buy themselves out of that that 20-year lease uh, and then relet it. It depends if I had planning on the property for the uppers and and, and to do to do that. Yeah. Actually, the uppers are uh, are shortly are on seventy seven year leases, so they're they're sold off. Yeah, but I'd want to do something on that roof. On the roof, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, the roof is up for grabs. The the interesting, I think, the interesting thing about this, if I was looking at this, I'd want to find out the history and, and why. Um, Domino's haven't kitted out that shop. Um, so the first thing I'd be doing is uh, going to my Google Street View and using the options so you can look back in time. 
and yeah. looking for, I'd be looking for commercial boards uh, on that property in the last few years, and I'd be ringing those up and finding the history of that because someone has leased that property to DP Reality, and they will know why they haven't occupied. Once I've answered that question, if it's just a case of the refit is starting next month, because I know Domino Pizzas are actually looking to expand. They're actually looking for um, about 50 stores over the next year. So why haven't they fitted out this one in a great location? Um, just need to find out why that is. It might be something simple. They're waiting for some planning permission for some big um, um, uh, flu at the back for, 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 for all the uh, waste smoke or whatever it is. I mean, you just don't know, but... Yeah, I think when I, when I look back on Street View, it's, it's pretty much been empty since the bank closed. So it's, it's been empty for like three or four years. Okay. So, um, but you're right. The, should definitely look at... Yeah. Definitely look to see who the commercial agent was and give them a call. That's a brilliant bit of advice. Okay, sounds good. Well, um, it, this one, I think it's very difficult to guess what it might go for. It, it's uh, everyone likes a bit of a, a 5% yield on a, good, on a good commercial solid income with a bit of potential. But I don't think it's going to go for much uh, above the guide price on this one. I'd still personally go for this. I think, I think whatever the issue is, it's fixable. The, the site is, is in a good location, you know, again, close to local transport links. There are a couple of different things that you could do and play around with. I think there's good value in this. Another interesting thing is, you know, the, with the rooftop development, uh, because of, it's a corner plot and there's plenty of access to the site, you could get rooftop access without impinging on the existing upper floor flats, um, which is a rare opportunity. You can't really exploit those opportunities with mid-terrace properties. You've got to kind of own an internal way up. Okay, good. Next one is, so this one is a property we're actually selling um, as uh, with the joint agents, Hamid, and uh, we're selling this on behalf of our client. And this is a property in uh, Bristol. And it's, um, it's actually a freehold property with a commercial shop and a flat sold off on a lease. This is a whole freehold with the flat sold off, so the, the upper two floors are sold off, but it's got all this real space, and all the neighbors pretty much have got those massive extensions. Uh, this is a muse house, and uh, I think there's another flat in there as well. Uh, there are three flats in this, uh, in this bit over there, and this one it's pretty much a virgin property, and uh, I think there's a lot of development potential. It's priced as, as a commercial. If you relate it at about you know, 12, 13,000 pounds per annum, uh, you're gonna get your 10% on, 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 on guide. But I think the real money is in the development and in what someone can do with that real site. Um, and Ranjan, you are the expert in real extensions and all sorts of uh, funny things uh, being done to commercial property. What would you do with this one? What's the access? The access through the rear. <laughs> <laughs> access is from the rear. There's a service road in here. So all those properties I access uh, the, 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 the rear extensions from the service road. 
and yeah. there's like a little pathway. So each property, you can see there's a pathway here to the upper flats. So the upper flat here, this, this one actually has been split into two flats. And uh, there are access for this. Yeah. Yes. So there's nothing, there's nothing at the rear at the moment. So the, the picture on the, uh, the little picture on the bottom. Uh, a little garage. This is, the, this is the picture. So this is the shop all the way there. And this is like a little bottom place. of the screen. The bottom right. The bottom right, this one. Yeah. This is the CGI. You can see the little garage that's up there. Yeah, this is CGI. So the, this white building, it's a computer-generated picture of what might be possible. Oh, I see. Right, yeah. So yeah. in oh. here, there is, I don't think we've got a real picture up here yet. Yeah. But it, it will come. So basically, at the moment, there's a garage. That's okay. the end of this. With this sort of opportunity, there's no permitted development. It's under full planning. But the thing is, as president, there's, it's, all, it's, it's the only one that hasn't been done. Um, so it's pretty clear cut. So I think they're selling this as though planning is already in the bag. It's just a formality. It's never as simple as that, but it's highly unlikely to get resisted to build some sort of two-floor two structure there. And the other thing I love about this sort of thing is that um, you don't really want to be the, when you've got one of these rear passages, you don't really want to be the first one to put a residential unit there because anyone who lives there will be going past all the commercial bins and all the rest of it and it won't really feel like a residentially street whereas this one it's already established as a residential kind of um area uh, so and you're just infilling the last hole in the rear <laughs> I, I think i'll stop <laughs> <laughs> so the the only thing that concerns me on this is i'd want to have a look at um those other ones that have been converted to residential and just check how they were done, um, yes. whether it was done through permitted development, because I'd be very concerned if that was the case, that they were done through permitted development from existing buildings. And especially with what's going on at the moment with um, uh, space standards and things like that, I'd just be, that would be my kind of main concern as to, although there might be two or three flats in one of the others, well, what is it that you're trying to get? And are people expecting to get a similar amount of units? Because maybe uh, it could be the case that that, that can't be done now. Um, but I'm, yeah, with, with Ranjan, in fact, there's definitely a structure you can put up there. And I, I don't think there's any issue with it being residential. It's just how many units and the size of it that I think is, uh, is going to be what's called into question there. Absolutely. Yeah. And, al and also, sorry, um, what does the lease on the shop say? Does it own that whole uh, area and what's your agreement? Yes, yeah, so, the, so actually the, lease, the, the, the shop is just being vacated uh, by the current owner. It's a retirement uh, exit. So the shop's just basically being parked up and it's going to be vacant. Um, I, think, I think that the, the, the potential there is, uh, like, like, like you all say, it's the fact that you can go for the full planning application and, and I think that there's some permitted development rights because this is an A1 shop. So you would be able to get something under permitted development. It would not be ideal for the scheme, but I think that gives uh, people the fallback position so they can use that in their full planning application where they can maximize the value of the site. And I think that's the, that's the real value in this site. 
Brilliant. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's move on to the next one because actually next one is also mine. Now also one that I'm selling for uh, another client, but this one it's two steps ahead because it's already got planning. It used to be a commercial unit, so it's, it's this whole building that uh, is being offered. It's a uh, site at 15 Duke Street, Trowbridge. Um, it's guided £450,000 plus, and uh, it's quite a big site. Um, and also, it used to be basically owned by the Wiltshire Times, so they've been there since the 1900s, and they were creating the papers and printing the papers and doing everything in there. It is actually a great listed site. Uh, but it's kind of been changed over the years. It now it's got planning permission for nine uh, units, residential units, five two-bedroom houses, one one-bedroom house, and three one-bedroom flats. And uh, it's also got, uh, I believe, a listed building consent for the, uh, for the alterations. So um, all those things are there. It's... Uh, like the one before, that one was a commercial building with potential. This one, it's already got the planning potential kind of in place. Now it's only a matter of actually realizing that potential. And I would say those development sites are not very frequent in auctions because they usually, it takes a bit of time to do due diligence and for developers to find out about all the things that they need to find out to actually perform a development. Uh, but we've sold about five of those development sites in auctions in the last year, and uh, there is a market for that. And uh, what do you guys think of this one? I like the planning split on it. Um, I'm, I'm normally, when I look at, I'm, I'm, not, I'm never going to develop anything, but when I look at planning permission, it says, oh, I've got planning permission for... 27 two-bedroom flats. I think you're very, very limited in scope there. I like the fact that there's a good mix of houses to flats and, and different numbers of bedrooms because it means that you're probably open up to quite a varied um, market as well as differing value levels as well. Um, so I kind of I kind of look at that as a bit of a, a de-risk uh, from a very kind of perhaps uh, not quite a sophisticated mindset as a developer, but I, I quite like that. I, I think it. I think it. It, it, it means that you're you, if if flats are the 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 um the substance of the day then your, your flats are going to fly if there's uh you know if if the area isn't heavily populated by you know you know a 2.3 kind of household you know two parents and three children then you know and it's just single people and you, you know it, it's it depends on what the market is i actually quite like that mix of asset there uh, Rod's a developer, maybe he's got a more um, attuned <laughs> idea as to what looks better, but from a, from a, an ignorant point of view, I quite like that. Yeah, I think uh, on this side, because it's a development site, and uh, I'll make sure that when I'm saying a development site, we give as much information to developers as possible early on, so they, they can actually get the initial questions, why the seller is selling, like how is the design and stuff. Once they got those questions kind of, answered and they've got peace of mind about those major things, they can actually get on with their due diligence on the real thing. Uh, so on this one, we did an interview with the seller and they told us why they're selling the property 
And one of the reasons is uh, basically the JV partner has got this, who provided funding has got this property in the SAS. And uh, the SAS cannot hold the residential property. So it could only get planning. And up to that stage, they either have to uh, go for refinancing and then uh, developing this themselves, or they have to uh, sell the property and, and liquidate the, uh, the asset, basically. So uh, they, they're going as first option for selling. But the second thing is we also did an interview with an architect and how they designed the whole thing. And actually, as you can see on this, uh, this thing, it, it's kind of like the splitting of those things. This used to be residential probably hundreds years ago, and it was adapted to a commercial use. So actually putting this back into residential use, it was fairly simple, and, uh, and that's how the, the mix was created. Um, well, what do you think about sites like this, Rod, with your development hat on? I was going to say, Jay might say he's never going to do a development, but I, I got close to trying to <laughs> make him do it. Very close, but he, he, he just managed to wriggle his way out of it. <laughs> um, well, I think this just comes down to, like you said, that, that last point about the architecture and the drawings is, is really almost the most important bit because it comes down to what you're buying per square foot, how much extra space you're adding the cost per square foot of of any extra space and the cost per square foot of the conversion versus what value you're going to get for it per square foot really and that and that's what it's all about so um if if it if it's like you say in terms of being a simple kind of conversion of those spaces then great um the cheaper the better again it comes it comes back to the value if the value in the area is only sort of 200 pound per square foot uh, and the cost of converting it's going to be sort of 1500 per square foot plus your finance fees plus your professional fees then it might be a little bit tight if however the value is is much higher then then it looks like a winner and then it's again doing the normal due diligence that you would of who's in the market and are there people that want flats in the area and are there people that want two beds and back to jay's point it's a, it's a nice little mix of different properties so it's, it's looking at who who uh, what the target audience is that, that you're going for but yeah it's a nice enough building in terms of the listed building consent that wouldn't bother me too much really it's uh it's finding out what exactly is listed within that what you might find is i don't know it could be a a chimney or something like that that you wanted to take down and actually is going to be a bit of a pain in the ass to to sort out but as once you've got a good idea from that from the heritage officer and understand exactly what's required um then it's just a case of pricing it up i think the person that buys this will be someone who is um has, has a strong competency in the build out phase um because that's how you're going to make money on this um uh, and it, it's all down to what your bag is. Uh, personally, I, I'm more of an investor and I like to get the planning uplift and I build out stuff that I have got the planning uplift for, um, mainly because I, I, I make enough from the planning uplift to compensate for me not being that great at the development uplift um, because ultimately I, I don't have my own development teams. I pay retail money like anyone else, to hire contractors um, to do the works. I highly doubt that. Sorry? <laughs> well, um, I mean, I'd probably make it up in the project management, because project management is key to getting a development project done. But I think that um, there are a lot of people out there 
uh, with a very strong core competency in actually the build-out phase. Yeah. And they would be looking to um, home in on their core competencies, you know, subject to all of the um, due diligence that Rod suggested, which I fully endorse, um, checking out. Yeah, so I think that would be the buyer for this. Totally agree. Yeah. yeah, brilliant. Okay, well, thanks for your comments, guys. Let's move on to the next one, uh, which is uh, Jay Slot again. All right, Jay, give us the outline. Okay, so this is lot number 36 in the Allsop commercial auction. Uh, it's 35 Station Road in Hawley in Surrey, RH6. It's a freehold restaurant, restaurant and residential um, investment. Uh, guide is a range of 225 to 250, and it represents a gross yield of 7.6%. Um, it is let uh, until 2027 with no breaks, and included in that lease is the upper floors, which is the uh, the, the maisonette. Six-week completion available, um, no VAT applicable on the purchase. This is something that, that, that I've... And I've obviously Piot looked at it as well. We we looked at this and we thought, ah, where have we seen a situation like this before? It must have been what a year or two ago. We were looking was, in Bromley. Uh, that was uh, twenty-two months ago. Twenty-two months, so almost two years ago. We were looking at two sites in I think the Barnet Ross auction, yeah. um, and they were in, in in Bromley or Beckenham, Bromley. The, the buildings were commercial on the ground floor with the resi above, all let under the same lease. So it was a commercial offering. Um, had beautiful high kind of um, roofs and it was just when people were starting to pay attention to the Goddess, yeah. kind of loft conversions and things like that. So, so this is very much positioned just like this where you had yeah. uh, the whole commercial offering. The reason I like this is because at the moment um, auctioneers and I guess agents as well are valuing these based on the commerciality of it, so the lease and what's coming in from it. But when that lease expires, you get that flat back Right, and and all and then all of a sudden you have a commercial element, and then you have a separate flat which you can refurbish, title split, sell off, keep the commercial, chuck it in a SAS or a SIP. There are so many different potentials, and in the interim, you've got a nice decent yield. Is my view, uh, it's a takeaway. Um, so you know, everyone loves Chinese on, on a Friday night. I, I like it. I like it just like I like the one in in, in Bromley. So, so Jay, what's the yield right now? Obviously, it's what you buy, but seven and a half percent on guide. Okay, seven and a half on guide. How long until the lease uh, goes? About seven years. No breaks. Okay, about seven years. Seven years. And and what would a flat above that shop on its own? What would that be going for if you if you took that back and sold it off on a long lease? About two hundred to twenty-five. Two hundred and twenty-five. And then yeah, 200 what, to 225, yeah. And what's the guide again, sorry? 225 to 250. So you'd be making your money back then. It's just whether you can, whether you're happy to wait and, uh, and get the income until that point. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Is there separate access to the flat above? The access to the flat above, it's a good question. It's from the front. From the front, yeah. yeah. I think the, um, it, it's a great find. It's a great, it's a great lot. Uh, one piece of due diligence I always like to do is to see whether there's any scope of that lease ending early. So with a restaurant, go and eat there. <laughs> uh, order a takeaway on a Friday night and find out how long it takes to arrive. Uh, you know, if they're if they're saying, "Oh yeah, we'll get it to you in 15 minutes," then they're not that busy. Um, and, and it's very important to do that because um, 
there are food places which are roaring right now, but there's some which are struggling. It's usually because of bad product and service. And what I find is that those sort of people will be looking for an out from their lease. Um, a lot of people with small businesses, they rarely blame themselves for failing. It's always to do with other things like COVID or Brexit, or they'll blame everything apart from crap food and crap service. Um, so uh, if that is the case, you may actually find that after purchasing, um, there's an opportunity to have some chats with the vendor who would be very, very happy because this vendor has had 25,000 pound grant, um, a COVID grant on this, may have had a bounce back loan, you know, and be quite happy to, you know, get out and surrender the lease, which means that your property is back. Um, so don't underestimate that as a potential option, but you can only really do that after the auction. Yeah, I, I think on this one, I would actually welcome getting the property back because, or at least negotiating the uh, getting the flat back from that lease, and then uh, creating a new lease for the for the for the lower parts. Um, that was one of the we're actually bidding for a client on that property in Bromley that Jay mentioned. And uh, we actually told the client, go up to 315, that's the max, it's going to make money at that level. Our client was, wants to be conservative, he wants, uh, who was it, 295? 295. He sold for 296. <laughs> Probably could have gone a bit higher, uh, <laughs> but we would have, gone, we have got this. The, the major thing is, um, this week I was reviewing uh, some, uh, some properties on the market and I came across this, uh, this lot actually and the commercial basically, the lease finished and the commercial moved out. So you got the whole property back. And I just noticed the commercial part that previously was let at 18K per annum with the flat, the whole thing, it's just been relet at 14 and a half and the flat above that shop is worth 250 without a loft extension and about 350 if you do a loft extension and make a free bed measurement and and that's where the money was and the lease was only one and a half years so i think sometimes you just need to basically create those um, um just just take an assessment on what might happen in the future and what the leverage is that you've got over this over the tenants I mean, I, for this, this is for this one. This is simple for me. This is in its raw state. It, it's it's a good asset in a raw state. Uh, if you were to apply three or four different strategies or value add elements to it, it still works. Uh, and I, I like I like the fundamentality of it. The other thing I quite like about it is looking at it at in that case like a raw asset. You've got so much negotiating power because actually you want that property back. So if that person's not willing to increase the rents, in, uh, go up with the rent reviews, things like that, you're in a hugely um, strong kind of negotiating position when it comes to rent reviews. Um, and it could be a quite a nice time to, to take it back there. And Rod, what you've just summarized is basically my commercial property investment strategy. As the only <laughs> commercial properties I buy where you're in a better position if they vacate. And um, that way you get your rents paid and you're in a strong position. Brilliant. So I think this one is, is a good one for our game. What, what is going to sell for? So what's on the market again for? Uh, 225 uh, to 250. 
And you reckon the flat alone is worth about 250, did you say? 220. 225, yeah. I'll go with 300. 300 is a good shout. I, I would go up to 300. I'd be happier at 290, but I'd go to 300. <laughs> I, I think, I don't know what it, what does 300 work out on a yield basis? Because I think um, someone, you know, may actually have that and they be happy with that at a six and a half percent. That's, yeah, almost six, five, five and a bit percent. So it'll be, yeah, 5.66 percent. Okay. I think Nanjan's going to say 280. I think 5.6, under 6% in that area when there's uncertainty, when the lease is ending in quite some time, it's a little bit too far out for six. I, I think I see why the guide is set at that level. Are you saying 6%? Yeah. I mean, the other thing, of course, that could come out of it is um, you've always got to remember, uh, I mentioned you know, eat there and uh, check out the restaurant. Uh, uh, it could be that this guy is doing particularly well and he will buy it. So you've always got to look out for prosperous or tenants who are doing particularly well with commercial property, particularly if they've been there a few years, because then they can possibly buy it. It's a little bit harder now, you know, everyone's got their cash flow constricted, but you just don't know. So for the purpose of the game, you're saying 283, exactly. Yeah, something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Good, but uh, I'm gonna go with uh, 291. Odd figures. <laughs> Typical. <laughs> There's going to be a bidding war between that. Between. And also, I know the seller of this property, and they're selling a few other bits in the, in the also residential auction, which are adjustment to this property. And I saw bidding on their previous properties, and those, their properties have always done well in the auction. So I think this one's going to be equally as competitive. 291. Yeah, it's important knowing that the adjoining properties leading up to the corner of the parade are also going to auction. So there is an asset management opportunity to picking up the, uh, the whole end of that terrace. They're not in the same auction, though, are they? No, one's in the commercial, one's in the residential auction. Is that one fully residential, then? No, they, they have some commercial in there every once in a while. If they, if they miss the commercial cutoff and they make a late decision, oh, they put it into a resi. So I think the other ones were put into residential auction because number one, they're predominantly residential. And number two, they've got the commercial element which is vacant and it's got residential potential. And those vacant commercials with residential potential are always offered in the residential auction rather than the commercial one. The commercial auction would offer things that have got um, income already in place and fairly secure leases. Okay, brilliant. Uh, so uh, the last two lots that we've got uh, coming up, uh, Roth is your one. This is this is quite a quite a, a diamond, or not a diamond. Well, yeah, I mean, I've kind of peculiar I've, one. I've I've got this one not because it's something that I would like to buy, but more because I think it's something interesting to talk about. Really, so this is uh, lot twelve of the Barnet Ross auction. It is a portfolio of 233 rent charges on 255 houses in various locations uh, around Avon, Cheshire, Greater Manchester, Lancashire, Merseyside and Somerset. A couple of interesting kind of things probably we should discuss. So what is a rent charge? Because uh, often this kind of gets, um, the term gets misused. So it's an annual sum paid by 
a freeholder uh, to a third party who normally has no other interest in the property. So um, it's not something, it's not ground rent, it's different. It's, it's charged to the freeholder. Now, some people might be thinking, well, why are there 233 rent charges over 255 houses? And so typically what this would be is it's on the land and often there would be development potential when this is bought out. And these are centuries old kind of charges really. And so what would happen is then that land would be apportioned and the rent charge would come through there. So what's likely happened is people have then built on the land and apportioned uh, each plot some rent charge. So there's some interesting stuff going on with rent charges because there was a, a new app bought out, I think in around the late 70s, which basically gave them a cutoff date. I think, where is it? Yeah, 2037 is when the rent charges will compulsorily extinguish. Okay, so what that basically means is you can't then extend them over that period of time. So assuming these rent charges everyone pays, then that's worth about 44 grand. Okay, and it's being offered at, I think, around 10,000 pounds. Yeah, 10,500 pounds. So again, you look at that and you think, okay, that's, that's a, a good yield, but let's remember this is over a long period of time. And this is not inflation adjusted. So maybe if you think there's going to be a deflationary outlook over that period of time, it might be something you look to. But it's, it's not the same as buying an asset that's got inflation hedges and collecting a yield. There's also Plus, uh, some rental years as well. And yeah. uh, how do you enforce those rent well, charges? Is, is, is it as easy as ground rents? Well, this is the other thing. So the rent arrears are, I think, £6,700 which have been accrued over six years. Now, the purchaser has to pay 50% of those arrears, okay, when they purchase it. So although you might buy it for 10,000, 10,500, actually you've got to add on another three and a quarter thousand to that price. And then it's up to you to enforce those rent charges. And remember, these are very, very old and it's likely that they're sort of two pounds or it would have been a shilling and sixpence or something like that when they, when they were bought up. So they can be quite, um, what can often be the case is actually the cost of collecting them can often be more than the cost of what you receive. Now, there are some things you can do. So what you can do is you can contact these freeholders to which owe the rent charge or the freeholders can fill out an application to actually buy this essentially buy the rent charge in full. Um, so if, it, if this is the case, it, they can fill out a form about redeeming their rent charge. You can download it from kind of a government website and you fill it out and it will come back with the price, which is normally around 15 times its value. Um, mm. And so if someone's being charged two pounds, it's often much better for them to you to get the total value for it up front one it helps you with inflation two the cost of the cost of you actually getting that and going down the legal channels to to acquire that money ends up being cheaper so it's really this one is more about the traps involved in this 
than uh, than actually anything out than than the opportunity. I think. Um, now, I think the interesting stuff is that they put a note here that the last two sale of link charges to rent payers were completed on twenty eighth August at ten times the annual rent charge payable. Yeah, yeah. So what they're what they're basically saying is 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 the last ones that went at auction, if the rent payable was ten grand, they were selling for a hundred times that. Yeah. Um, now what's what you've got to factor in is the amount of different properties and rent charges. Because if it was one rent yes. charge at ten grand, that would be one thing. But having yes. two hundred and thirty-three at ten grand means they're all very, very low sums. So yes. I'm not sure whether 10 times that multiple would then be relevant for this. Um, I think what's, uh, what you need to factor in is if it's a large company that's already got uh, the systems in place to pull back those rent charges, they're, who, they're the people looking to buy this. Yes. Um, I don't think it's going to work for 99.9% for .9 of the, uh, the investors out there. But... I just thought it was an interesting one because you don't really see these come up in auction every day. So. Yeah. You don't see them very often, no. It's a perfect place uh, for those things in the auction because no one knows what to do with those. And, well, exactly. uh, yeah. You just chuck them in 26%, someone will buy them. Well, I, th I think that's, that's it, isn't it? People look at those headline figures and think, God, that's a great rate. But actually, when you look at the underlying, I think there's a, there's a few too many traps. And, and the yeah. worst thing people can do is assume this is similar to ground rent. Yeah, it certainly isn't, and there is yeah. no sort of reversionary rate and things like that. So. I guess who might buy those properties could be like a, a large grand rent owner or like a large grand rent investor, or like maybe there's rent charge investors out there who really what this is like is it's it's a bit like buying a car as an investment to then lease out, and it's a depreciating yeah. asset all the way down until yeah. finally there's no. You can't sell it at the end because it's 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 so knackered. It's just got to go to the scrapyard, and that's really the same kind of model that this is. So you've got to be looking at those numbers over the long period of time. And what's important about this is it's the cost of getting in that rent, which really is the thing that um, that can kind of tear this apart. Yeah, as Rod alluded to, I think the buyer of this will already have several thousand rent charge properties um, on their books. And they'll just put it through their existing systems process. Put all the details on the system, and it just blasts out letters every six weeks until they pay. And and the the, the drive of actually running it to to a cost is reduced marginally, right? Um, but yeah, this is this is. I think people will make a mistake on something like this. There's the uh, the story that um, Scott Hendry from Together Finance always tells when he's when he's asked, you know, what's the worst thing you've ever seen someone pay for an auction. He said, well, this woman approached me after, um, once she bought a lot, she came over, she was ecstatic. Because I bought a, this block of flats, like 16 flats auction. I've only paid 173,000 pounds. This, that, the other. It turns out she bought the freehold ground rent. She thought she was buying a block of physical flats that she could rent and sell. And, you know, people make that mistake with this. People assume that rent charges and is, is just a different terminology for freehold yeah. grammar. Uh, and it's, uh, it's you are not buying two hundred and fifty-five houses with this one. Well, and you're not, not buying, buying two hundred and fifty-five grammars either. No. Very <laughs> <laughs> important to know what you're reading, and that's true for for all all of um, commercial properties as well. Because so many times, um, you know, you got the shop and an upper flat, but one of the flats sold off on a long lease, so you don't have that. 
or two of the flats have got regulated tenancies in from yeah. 1981 or something. So those are massively diminished in that. And these are just little phrases in the catalogue which fundamentally affect the value. And another thing they're often called is like chief rents as well. So rent charges or chief rents. So things to just look out for. <laughs> okay, brilliant. Well, we're in the world of the high yielding properties. How about uh, a 50% yield in Wales? Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. Um, I did a little, about the property. I did a little video uh, on this on our YouTube channel um, where I went through this uh, exciting lot and I'd love to see what you guys make of it. You can buy a whole goddamn shopping centre in Wales in the lovely town of Real. Um, and it really is a real deal. Um, the rent roll... <laughs> The rent roll is some £553,000 per annum. Um, and it's guided at 1.1 million. Uh, so that's a 50% yield on this, uh, on this lovely looking property. Um, now I'm that's, the gross over the, oh, that's the gross over the net, is it? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the big issues with this are that um, some of those shops in that centre ain't doing that well. Uh, and there's the arrears. And I'd like to sort of, um, when you look through the legal pack um, in the special conditions, the uh, buyer is responsible for settling all the arrears on, this, on that rent roll. Um, so as well as your purchase price, you will be down to some arrears uh, on that portfolio. Um, some of those shops are uh, struggling uh, and are planning to close. So it might be looking at this 50% yield right now, but it's in one of those areas. It's a fairly, um, it's not a very prosperous area, shall we say. Um, so it, a lot of those shops are struggling, they will shut. And the, the problem with these destination shopping centers is that the minute you lose a core room of stores within them, it's tumbleweed. Uh, no one needs, people go into those destination shopping centers because one, per, one shop's footfall feeds on the other. And the minute you lose a rump of them, then there's no reason to go there. Um, because people want to go there because they want to go to this shop, that shop, the other shop. People don't really need, always go to just one shop. So it just loses its, and, the, and a trickle of um, exitors turns into a bit of a flood. And the other big challenge with this one, which I think people miss, is the repurposability. Um, it would be uh, very, there's no permitted development on it, but even if you wanted to knock the thing down and rebuild, um, the uh, average sale values there, £139 a square foot. Uh, you can buy two bedroom flats in real for 50 grand. You know, so you'd struggle to be able to build something on there where your cost of build out will actually um, even break even. I think the only um, way you do with a site like that I think the only way you'd repurpose that is by having a, um, a contract with a housing association or care facility or someone who's underwritten by the government to uh, be able to build at higher prices, uh, sorry, build those out and get an income securitized to, to give a higher price on the yield. Because otherwise, as you say, the repurpose ability of that site is very, very slim. Even if you're just repurposing the use class, the fit out, things like that, you're not adding capital value. 
Um, yeah. You might be adding a bit of income, which could potentially give, give you some extra value, but I think it's very tricky. Um, I think the arrears point is is one to be, uh, to, to, to kind of take note of, because where you've got a, quite a few of these um, these operators are big businesses, but they're looking to shut down. They've got big legal departments behind them. And so the cost of actually looking at these arrears and, and getting these down might be quite substantial. Um, I'd also be wanting to have a look at the area in terms of investment going into the area. And um, I know it's a seaside town, but what's happening there in terms of kind of um, how many families are, are expected to 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 be there in over the next ten years? Is it a growing number? Is the population kind of is is it an aging population there? Is it um, is there infrastructure spending going on there? I'd want to know a lot about that. I think there comes a point where you where you look at this and you go, yes, it may be a sinking ship, but it's just throwing off so much cash that it's worth it, even if that amount of cash is is going down every year until the point at which we look to repurpose it and we spend that time doing that. And that and that can still work. It can still be be worth it on that view. But I do think it's looking at everything involved, the operational costs of that site. Again, it's a bit like the rent charge where collecting the money, how easy is it going to be to collect? How easy is it going to be to manage a site when things are, are closed? Because actually your operational costs may go up with things like security and that sort of thing. So I think it's um, it's one for a, for a big operator that knows what their end goal is and how to get there in terms of repurposability. Um, as far as an asset management play, I think it's going to be tricky. And I think you just look at the values you're going to get from that income over a period and, and, and make the best out of what is really a, a bad side. Um, yeah. yeah, I think, I think, I think it, it, the headline numbers are, are appealing, aren't they? <laughs> so I looked, I looked at a shopping center at, uh, in a, in a Acutus auction about three years ago. I was stunned. Uh, it was in Falkirk, yeah, Calendar Shopping Centre. Mm. And that was actually purchased, well, I thought it was a guide price of, uh, of 1 million and a 600k income. So a bit more, a bit better yields. I, I think you also want to have a really good look at who the occupiers are, because I, I yeah. saw B&M stores and, and they're expanding, they're opening up however many stores this year. Um, and it's looking at who are the anchors there that are going to bring people in. So if you've got a big, I don't know, big supermarket like B&M that's bringing people in, that's, that's taking up a big chunk of the space, then it's right, what other shops can you come and feed off those anchor tenants that are going to do well? Um, and it's just, you're, I think that's quite important. You're looking at the ones that you know are going to close and thinking, yeah. right, well, how much sway did they have over the whole site because if they're smaller ones it may not be as bad as it sounds but if it's the big anchors then you do need to look at right what can you get in there to start attracting footfall in because that's that's how shopping yeah. centers survive it's, it's and i think the the, the 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 question as well is it's that that's a good question to engage in but also how long can you survive without tenants in that shopping center or with with that amount of tenants because uh, that rental income, 500 or 600K, that's usually um, inclusive, of like, uh, inclusive of service charges. 
And as a landlord, you're responsible for the security, responsible for insurance, electricity to common areas, heating of the common areas, and all those things. And plus, on vacant units, you have to pay the business rates. And all those things are like a a hole in the ship. And how how quickly can you get that water out of your ship uh, in order to keep your ship afloat. I'm going to um, put my uh, neck out here and say that I I don't think it's going to reach Guy. I I think uh, it's an unattractive unit. I can't, I just can't see it and it would be one that I'd be interested to track. There's another little story to this one as well um, because one of the things we looked at was the uh, accounts on company's house for the company that's selling this particular property and uh, what we found on their accounts basically was that um, they've lost 13 million pounds worth of um, balance sheet asset value in a year. And it seems that's come from lenders um, kind of reassessing the values of the properties held in this, in this company's portfolio. And this disposal is as a result of the lenders putting pressure on them to show up their balance sheet. Uh, and uh, there are more and more property commercial property companies who are facing this issue if they've got portfolios made up of unrepurposable properties. Well, this is this is something that people forget from 2007, 2008. There are a lot of people who were not defaulting on their mortgages, but were in negative equity. You know, when, when, when their asset classes were being reassessed, uh, either for remortgage value or, or, or even mid-mortgage revaluations, uh, and and you know they they were they were being repossessed or you know all of these different situations, and I I think the amount of money that people have been paying for assets I've gone off on a right tangent for the last year or two actually, if 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 the government steps back on its on its quantitative easing, and the heat in the property market diminishes as it should have done a year ago. <laughs> um, may find themselves in, in, in quite an appreciable amount of negative equity uh, going into either remortgage in a year or 18 months or two years. I guess most people do a two-year rate. Um, there are big problems there. I used to set myself a challenge with, with, with assets of this kind. I bought a, uh, um, a block of uh, an office block in, in Birmingham in 2009, uh, and it was showing a 50% yield, but obviously that was gross. The net yield was a tenth of that pretty much. And I used to set myself a challenge of how I could turn the gross yield into the net yield. Um, and on a block of something like a, a block of um, an office block, it's, it's fairly easy to do that if you have the wherewithal about you. But on something like this, you're pretty much on a shot to nothing in terms of you're going to shoot yourself and you're going to end up with nothing. <laughs> um, the guys who did the Scottish property, what they did was, is they created a whole community value around it. And that's how they kind of got it through. How they tried. They tried, exactly. The COVID yeah. just killed it. And I think two months ago it was announced the shopping center is completely closing. So, um, well, they did well for a couple of years. For three years, they brought it back to life, right? They did, yes. Um, but yeah, COVID has done that to a lot of businesses. And, and I, I mean, think some of the value of the shopping center is uh, all the ancillary stuff that they've got. Because I think with this and, and the Scottish one, you could also separate the car park from the other bits. And then you can run that car park as a separate asset. 
And then and one of my questions was going to be, what, what size car park does it have? And is it, is it charged? It's, it's 260 yes. spaces and it would be ideal for a COVID test and trace centre. <laughs> well, car, car parks are, are valuable, but also things like, well, someone might buy this, they might notice that capital allowances haven't been brought forward and, and might see actually a load of value in that. Um, I, I do think, obviously, no one wants to buy a liability, which seems to be what this is going to end up be, being with, with all these empty units and non-payers and businesses in there going bust. But it's, um, I, th I think what, what is key is, is it's these anchors in there and how sort of sure they are of bringing people and football into that shopping centre. But without being able to repurpose the site, I think it's very, very tricky um, and, uh, and you want to be very, very careful with, uh, with what's happening there. Let me just throw one thought about this, because this sort of property, I'm sure people will agree, is pretty much unfinanceable. So is, you're going to have to have a million pound in the bank. And if someone's got a million pound in the bank, I think there are better deals to be had. Um, and with that in mind, I say, I, I really just don't see how this will achieve the guide. It'd be a very interesting one to track. Yeah. I mean, I'd argue that you'd have to double that million down, I think, because even if you take in purchasing costs, oh, right. um, you're going to have, you know, you're going to have to try and recover some of those uh, outstanding amounts. The other way to do it is the same way you would deal with, you know, short leaseholders and freehold block where you wanted to, to deal with something. You would say, okay, these are your arrears. Let's wipe those off the face of the earth. Let's renegotiate a term, increase your increase your um the length of your your iri or whatever it is and then add an extra two or three grand or five grand or whatever per annum and you'll make back that loss and even more over a longer term and then you reduce the pressures of the existing kind of stresses of the market now you have to take a really a really long a hard look at that situation because you're being charged the arrears as part of the contract because the only way to claim the arrears is if you if you own those arrears um, in, in, in the contract auction. Yes. So you, you kind of have to look at it and say, I have to have a million pound cash. I'd argue you have to have at least two million pounds cash and the foresight and the, 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 the term and length of investment to kind of cover the back end of that, which you're looking easily is going to be seven to 10 years tops. Because I don't believe, uh, and I, I do love a bit of hope value, don't get me wrong, I don't believe there's, there's any repurposability to this site. Even knocking it down. I, I kind of agree. I, I think this is like, you know, you're buying a bunch of liabilities. So, so you buy it per pound. It's like, you know, whoever bought VHS, things like that. I think it's one of those sort of things. Well, well I, think, I think the only repurposability is what I kind of said about housing association, care facilities, anything that's underwritten on the income where they can actually afford to spend money to, to, to repurpose it. Because yeah. from a purely capital value point of view i think it's impossible really so i think all of us are probably going to suggest this won't this won't sell if we can all take that box i'm suggesting the guy will be reduced and it will sell for 900. I think, yeah i think i think it will sell for 1.1 <sighs> rod the bull in the china shop love it <laughs> i think i'm, I'm gonna I'll, I'll take um I'll jump on the bandwagon with, with Ranjan. I don't think it will sell at auction. I think if it if it does sell, someone will try and pick it up around the 750 mark. 
and, and we'll never know because I think it will say sold afterwards uh, for an undisclosed amount. <laughs> we'll reveal the amount somehow. We'll, we'll, we'll land yeah. register and hope that the uh, solicitor registered the amount paid. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> okay, brilliant. Well, that uh, concludes our auction lots review and. Um, I think uh, it definitely exceeded our self-imposed deadline of five minutes per lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we never did well with those deadlines, uh, but I, I hope you guys got a lot of value from this and uh, uh, you, you feel a bit more confident uh, assessing those super high yielding properties, development properties, and uh, all sorts of other assets that uh, are offered in the options. Please join me next time for more detailed discussions about property on The Rodcast.